Hi, this is Kirk Reed. Bear with me as we need a little compliance disclosure. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's generally not the case with callers we speak with on the show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. After all, we just met. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers should check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed, and past performance does not guarantee future results. But this is uh, Pat Harridan from Lockton Companies in Boston. Normally when I'm on, we talk employee benefits. The first hour, we talked with Kurt Cernowski about all things Social Security. And this hour, we'll be talking all things. And we've got a countdown. We've got about... What, 42 minutes? No, 52 minutes until Super Bowl on WATD. Good luck to my former team, Hull Pirates, and my former teammate, Coach Mike O'Donnell. I think I forget who they're playing. I don't even know. Tim may have it in his. They're playing Kip Academy. So I think they're in Lynn. But good luck to them. I know Duxbury won last night and they're undefeated. And I think if Hull wins, they'll be undefeated as well. That'll be great. And again, DVR soccer. It's boring. Don't watch it. Put the TV down and listen to your listen to the radio on WATD. In order to talk all things Medicare, I need an expert like I did with Social Security. So I have Ted O'Connor actually in studio. So Ted, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me back. No problem. This is a busy time of year for both Kurt and Ted, who will talk about that in a second. And like we did with with Kurt, you can call in with sort of general questions. It's a very complex topic that needs a lot of individualization, but uh, the phone number for the show is 781-837-4900. Ted, why don't you, for our listeners, you've been on with me before, but just for any new listeners, give a little bio, a little history of what you, where you started, what you do. Why you do it? <laughs> Who then, am I and why am I here? That's correct. A little general <laughs> hey for those Kurt, that want to Google that. By the way, Kurt did a great job. He's a tough act to follow, so I have a lot of... No, he's he's great. Um, he's great on... We need more, uh, as we, I think we, as our baby boomers age, we'll probably need more people like Kurt to explain Social Security. But same with Medicare, Ted. More mm-hmm. and more people are going to be eligible for Medicare and the same issues that, that Social Security has, Medicare has, funding, and is it going to be there? But it's there, and the time... Time, we are we're in open enrollment, which we'll talk about. But give your give your little brief bio. Sure, thank you. I've been in the Medicare space for coming on 13 years now in February. And I first started with the National Medicare Exchange Company that most of my work was done in the Midwest and the West Coast, where I got my feet wet in Medicare. I probably enrolled a couple thousand people. And a lot at that time, a lot of companies promised their retirees health care for life. That's right. And a lot of companies quickly found out that might not be the most feasible financial mm-hmm. decision because it brings up the rate for the rest of the population. So my company, we, we were large companies, 1,000, 2,000 employees. These retirees found out that their health insurance is going to be ending. And so my team, we would go in and we would enroll people in the individual Medicare plans against across the other side of the country. And the company would address them with a health reimbursement arrangement, otherwise known as an HRA. So I did that for four and a half years. My company was sold to Mercer. 
And when I was there, I wore a lot of hats for the company and I started realizing I'm here in Massachusetts. Why am I going to be doing all my work on the West Coast? So I started working with a lot of employee benefit firms, including yourself, Pat, back then, realizing what do, what do these employee benefit firms, what's their answer for Medicare? So I started working with a lot of the powers that be here in Boston and New England. And when my company was sold to Mercer, I got the opportunity to start with a very prominent employee benefit firm here in Massachusetts, where I started the Medicare practice and it was very successful, built an a neat little practice. And after 12 years in Medicare or 11 plus years in Medicare, I, I worked with a lot of partners that were convincing me to start my own Medicare practice, which I did. I got to get up and running this year in February and it's called Tedicare. I was trying to figure out what do I start this? And my clients used to call me Tedicare. And uh, Pat, if you see my logo, there's a palm tree on my logo. My, my clients used to call me Ted at the beach because I live in Coasset. My office ah. was in Situate. So I've been up and running and it's been very successful so far. Work for myself and everything I do is individual Medicare, whether somebody is retired or moving to Medicare at age 65 or they're retiring at age 75. So I, I assist people. What is Medicare? How do you sign up for Medicare? Whatever situation you're in, whether 65 or 75, what are the road paths in Medicare? What are the plans? What are the rates? I'm appointed and certified with about 14 Medicare insurance companies, licensed in several states, all of New England, Florida, New York, New Jersey. And I assist people getting them enrolled in Medicare. And when I get them enrolled, I do all the paperwork to get them. After they pick and choose their plans, I get them enrolled. And I think what my clients really appreciate most about my practice is I stay with them, become what I call their Medicare coach for years to come. And as you just mentioned in the beginning, this is the Medicare annual open enrollment period. It's October 15th through December 7th, which is Wednesday, by the way. Nobody will be happier than me when Wednesday comes because I've been crazy Mm. busy since then. And so what I'm doing right now is offering annual reviews to my existing clients to make sure they're still on the correct plan that we originally enrolled them in or changed them a couple of years ago. So I got it. four more calls today, four more calls some tomorrow morning. And then again, I always get a little breather on December 7th. No, and we'll get to open enrollment and why that's important in a minute. So let's do what we did with Kurt. Start at the beginning, Ted. So you mentioned sort of Medicare. What is Medicare in general? How do we find out if people are eligible? And then I know there's different ways people are eligible for kind of quote unquote free parts of Medicare, but just in general, what is Medicare? So people know. So original Medicare is part A and part B. And it, by the way, it was uh, the idea was came, came from President Kennedy. Back when he was still president, he realized that 40% of Americans over the age 65 did not have health insurance or they couldn't afford health insurance. So he inspired Medicare. Obviously, he wasn't around to foresee it, uh, and mm-hmm. come to fruition, should I say. And then President Johnson started it, and they've been adding parts ever since. But it, again, it's provided by the federal government. So back to where it was, original Medicare is Part A, which is everything inpatient hospital coverage, and out, and Part B is everything outpatient services. Doctor fees, surgeons fees, CAT scans, MRIs, pretty much anything you go to and from your home the same day. So Part A, Part B. So original Medicare, been around since about 1965, all right? Correct. So it's 1965. And the interesting thing about Medicare, and this is where, as we talked about with Kurt, it starts to diverge from Social Security, is Medicare is still age 65, regardless of your retirement age. So even though your Social Security retirement age, depending on your date of birth, maybe 67, you're eligible for Medicare at 65. Now, there may be reasons why you don't want to take Medicare at 65, which we'll get into, but 65 or being disabled are the two 
ways into Medicare. And it's funded, as we talked about with Kurt, there's a payroll tax. Obviously, that's the, so if you're a member of Social Security is the 6.2%, here is the 1.45%. So that should be coming out of your check. And even for the most part, even municipal employees are eligible for Medicare. They pay into Medicare, just not Social Security. And your employer matches the 1.45. So again, your employer is paying, if you're eligible for both, they're paying about 7.65% of your annual salary, assuming you meet, you make under the maximum. Again, there's no maximum now on Medicare. That's how it's funded and paid. It's funded that way, but as you said, then the government contracts with the various carriers. Private insurance companies. So let's talk about Massachusetts for, and then we'll go back to the parts. Of course, Massachusetts has to be different in Medicare. It can't be like every other state. There's probably a couple of states that are like this, but most states, and this is goes back to our open enrollment discussion. Um, so open enrollment happens every year, or right around the same time, right, Ted? October 15th. October 15th, December, 15th 7th. December 7th. So that's why if you're around Medicare age, you get a ton of mail, you'll get phone calls. And again, the ads seem to run on TV all throughout the year. You're going to see Joe Namath and Jimmy Walker and all those guys. William Shatner's now doing them too. Yeah, Shatner. There's a bunch of people out there. Um, I think Tim likes the the money, the J- Jimmy Walker money quote. Money! Yes, yeah, <laughs> Put some money back in the check. But those are very different plans, but Mass has its own. So, so just talk a little bit about, Ted, sort of the Mass structure of Medicare, and then we'll go back to the parts, because now we've got we talked about A and B originally. Now we're all the way to D. And then there are other letters that mean something in Medicare as well. Yeah, so uh, we'll get back to the part. So, again, part A and part B is what's called original Medicare, traditional Medicare. And, again, if you're turning 65 or if you were awarded Social Security disability, that can be Lou Gehrig's disease or end-stage renal disease, you can also qualify for Medicare. I work in my previous company. I worked in all 50 states, and now I'm in New England and some key states. But... Where I think your question is, what is Massachusetts a little bit different? Um, Medigap plan. So when somebody has A and B in place, there are what I call two road paths available to somebody in Medicare. Road path number one is where somebody gets what's called a Medigap plan, otherwise known as a Medicare supplement plan. That is your card for your doctors and your hospitals. And then you couple that with a Part D prescription drug plan. Where in Massachusetts, to answer your question, is a little bit different. In 47 states, the Medigap plans are labeled by letters, <laughs> A through N. And the highest plan of coverage now in Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, New York, Florida, is called Plan G. And that's for anybody new to Medicare beginning 2020 going forward. So in Massachusetts and the other two states are Wisconsin and Minnesota, we have our own little names. And it actually mm-hmm. simplifies things a little bit. So in New Hampshire, Maine, as I mentioned, it's called Plan G. In Massachusetts, it's called the 1A. And the other one's called the core and the supplement one. So that's one difference. Also, what is a, and that's an advantage to other states. We'll get back to Medigap, but we have what's called a community rate, otherwise known as a standard premium. And what that means is that each person in Massachusetts, whatever company it is, Harvard Pilgrim, United Healthcare, Fallon, each company is one flat rate for each person in the entire state. And the benefit is the rates really do not increase very much from year to year. It's a minor increase. And traditionally, they change in the calendar year. So that is one big benefit. Like, for instance, I'm licensed in Florida as well. And as I say down there, it's based on your zip code, your age, and uh, your gender. And sometimes Mm. smoke or non-smoker. Where the rates down there can go up 10, 15, 25% every year. 
where my clients are always shopping around. But in Massachusetts, it's a minor increase. That's one advantage. Also, Massachusetts is one of only three or four, excuse me, guaranteed issue states where there's no medical underwriting. And that is a big benefit. And Pat, as we were just sharing before the show, maybe I can add this little quick story in. Yeah, go ahead. Because it's very successful. So an existing client of mine reached out to me, oh, October 25th, that his mother-in-law is down, has a, a Medicare Advantage plan down in Florida, an HMO, and I think it was with uh, Humana. And she was instructed she has to have quadruple bypass surgery. And her family lives up here in Wellesley, Mass., the town I grew up in, actually. Mm-hmm. And so she... Came up to Mass General, get a schedule to have open heart surgery. Her Medicare Advantage plan did not cover her at all. Typically on an HMO, a Medicare Advantage plan, it's a managed plan. It's based on your zip code for the most part. And the only thing it really covers you for on an HMO outside of the region is emergency room coverage. So the joy of Massachusetts was I was able to get her enrolled quick. And our surgery was November 4th. This all happened October 25th. Because Massachusetts on a Medigap plan is guaranteed issue, no medical underwriting, no pre-existing conditions, I was able to move her to a Medigap, coupled that with a Part D drug plan, where she was in tears the first time she called me. But she got no coverage. Mm-hmm. She was going to cancel her surgery. And because I was able to get her on a Medigap 1A in Massachusetts, she had 100% inpatient hospitalization coverage. I got a few gifts, uh, cheesecakes in the mail. Uh, that. <laughs> I was <gonna> say. <laughs> so for, and, and that's, and that's because, and then we can talk about it as we go through, but most of the ads, the TV ads, they're from the Medicare Advantage plans, which are very different plans. It talks about all the benefits and all those other extras and all that, but it really comes down to the network. That's how the mm-hmm. plans work. And if your provider is not in the network, it really doesn't matter how good the benefits are because you're not going to get coverage. Correct. Medicare, take a step back. So Medicare funded by payroll taxes, really, and also premiums. We'll get to those in a mm-hmm. sec. The government doesn't provide the care, it contracts with the insurers. So when you have a Medicare, when you buy a a Medicare plan, you trade in your Medicare card and you get a Harvard Pilgrim, a Tufts, whatever card. But talk a little bit about Part A. Let's go back to the parts. So Part A, people always say this and I always correct them. Part A, if you are eligible for Social Security, most people say, I get that free. And I say, you don't get it free. You just get it for no cost. You paid for it already. You're, yes. <laughs> but to talk about, so what is Part A? So everyone who's eligible gets uh, Part A if they started collecting Social Security. And that's at age 65. Correct. So Part A is everything inpatient. It's literally your room, your food, your board, any services or any medications that are provided to you while you're inpatient in the hospital. When somebody signs up for Part A, whether you're turning 65 or you're retiring at age 75. As long as you worked 10 years of your lifetime and paid taxes, Medicare taxes like Kurt referred to, there is no premium to Part A. You've already paid for it. Typically, when you sign up for Part A, it is premium free. Part, and uh, also, again, in Part A, just to answer your question, is everything inpatient. It is skilled nursing care facility coverage, which is a secondary or a rehab hospital you go to after an inpatient hospitalization. Hospice care, if you're deemed terminally ill. Home health care, that's the short-term occupational speech, physical therapists that come to your house or facility after an inpatient hospitalization. And then blood provided to you while in the hospital. So that is everything in Part A. And again... Whether you or if you file joint taxes with your spouse or partner, as long as they worked 10 years of their lifetime, Part A would be premium free as well. And the key thing to remember is Part A, although it's insurance, that is not something that should be your only 
coverage because it only covers you for inpatient. And it's even though it's premium free, it's not cost free. Yes. Why I rarely see people who just have part A, especially in or just part B. Right. Because in original Medicare will stick to part A. There's a lot of holes. So it's deductibles and coinsurances. The biggest ticket items, I call it, that somebody wants to get taken care of in Part A. If somebody were to be hospitalized, let's say January 2nd, mm-hmm. with just original Medicare, somebody would be responsible for a $1,600 deductible, and with that deductible, you have a 60-day benefit period. So if you're in the hospital one night, 20 nights, up to 60 nights consecutively, somebody would pay $1,600. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then there are daily co-payments that begin, right. which can be very extensive, as you can see. Mm-hmm. Day 61 through 90, if you were still in the hospital, $400 a day. And then days 91 through 100, actually 91 through 150, $800 a day. The most important thing to remember about that deductible, it is not an annual deductible. It is per benefit period. So as I tell clients, worst case scenario, if somebody just has original Medicare, you're hospitalized in January, 60 days later, April, 60 days later, July, then September, then late December, somebody could have five of those deductibles in a calendar year. Yeah, and that's why another reason why we have all these other plans, supplement gap, whatever you want to call them, the advantage plans. So most people don't, they have Part A, but you need Part A in order to enroll in these other plans. You need Part A only to get a Part D prescription drug plan. Okay. But you need Part B outpatient services in order to get a Medigap plan or the Part C Medicare Advantage plan. All right, so so Part A... If you're paid in or married with someone, 40 quarters, this, what Kurt talked about, you'll get Part A. There are some costs, so you don't want to just, if you're retired, you don't just want Part A. So then Part B comes along. Part B is not free. <laughs> not free. <laughs> there's a, a premium, and let's assume that you make under, there's income limits and all that, but let's assume you make under the threshold. What do people typically pay for Part B next year or 2023? What's that? So just to refresh, so Part B is everything outpatient, doctor fees, outpatient surgery fees, CAT scans, MRIs, outpatient surgery, pretty much everything I described you go to and from your home to the same day. The only exception to that is the ambulance services is still covered under that. So in Part B, just keep going, Pat, in Part B, there is a Part B deductible, which this This one is by calendar year, and it's only $226 next year. Very strange year, Pat. This numbers numbers are going down. Went down, which is lovely, wonderful. This year was 233. So that is an annual deductible. So Mm -hmm. as I say, on January 2nd, just with Part A and Part B, you go see a specialist. They send you down for blood work. You have to satisfy the first 226, and then after that, it's an 80-20 plan. Medicare picks up 80%. You'd be responsible for 20% coinsurance. That's 20% and coinsurance is what can be most costly for somebody in original Medicare because it is unlimited. There's no cap limit and you add up a CAT scan, an MRI, an outpatient surgery. So that's the biggest item my clients get to get taken care of in Part B. And when you do sign up for Part B at 65 or 75, there is a premium to Part B. The standard premium next year is $164.90 a month, but it is based on your income. So when you sign up at 65, you can do that online, by the way, for Part B. But if you are beyond 65, there's an extra step. You typically have to go into a Social Security office and sign up. And I coach people how to do that. But it is based, and they always look back two years. So if somebody's signing up for Part B now, for January 1st, 
they always look back at your two years taxes book for four. So they're looking at your 2021 taxes. They look at your adjusted gross income. <clears throat> Excuse me. And as an individual, if you file individually, very easy. If your income, your adjusted gross income from two years earlier was 97000 or less, you'd have that standard premium of one sixty four ninety, And as a married couple, partners, joint taxes, 194000 or less. So anything under, if you make, that's the max. That's, yeah. And then there's other income brackets which we can get into. Yep. No, after the break, we'll do that. So part A, part B, obviously there's cost, even premiums and out of pocket. So after the break, we'll talk about how do we reduce some of those costs and also cover prescription drugs. So we'll do that after the break. Did you know that there are almost 10,000 mutual funds out there? Not to mention almost 2,000 ETFs. And what's an ETF? Given these overwhelming numbers, how do you go about selecting what's appropriate? Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. If you're ready to let a professional worry about your investments, visit us at McNamaraFinancial.com. And we are back. This is McNamara on money. This is Pat Harridan from Locked In Companies in Boston. And we are talking with Ted O'Connor of Tedicare, a Medicare consultant. And today's show has been Social Security and Medicare, all things, all good things and a good time of year. We were just talking about open enrollment um, for Medicare. This is the, in your example, Ted, you gave a story of how you're able to get someone to uh, into a plan on 12-1. But typically, most people, unless they're just either coming off an employer plan, a spouse plan, or are just newly eligible, this is the time where whatever you do between October 15th and December 7th, each year they have an opportunity to change, and that's for 1-1, right, for the calendar year? Correct. Yeah. So everyone can evaluate their options, and this is where, and what Ted does is sits down with people or talks to them on the phone and kind of goes through basically the key things, the costs, their providers, their doctors, where they go, and hospitals. And then the biggest thing, which we'll talk about in a second, is probably prescription drugs. Give me a list of your... I remember doing this with just with the active population and the employee meetings to say, hey, if all else is equal, let's look at the drugs. Who's on the formulary list? Who's not the preferred drug list? People that are eligible or get Part A, then we get Part B. There's still cost in original Part B. I guess you could have A and B, but you're going to pay a lot out of pocket. That's the, if you just have Part A. If you just have Part A. And you pay for Part B. The premium for most people for 2023, and that's down, 164 Yeah, it went from 170 So a very unique year. I don't know if we'll see it again, but the deductible for Part B went down and the premium for Part B went down. Correct. So that's good. And these typically... For those people that are also collecting Social Security, they're deducted from the check, Ted, usually. When somebody's collecting Social Security, the Part B premium, or if you're in whatever income bracket you're in, that will come out of your Social Security check automatically. In the meantime, uh, for those that do not collect Social Security and sign up for Part B, they typically bill you quarterly. Hmm. I don't like quarterly bills. I do know there's an option you can have it come out of a checking account uh, as well. But that's what I call as your... Your Part B premium is your first cost in Medicare. Again, that now you have original Medicare in place, and that enables you to get a Medigap and a Part D drug plan, which I call path, road path number one, or the Part C Medicare Advantage plan, which is known as a replacement plan to original Medicare. Got it. All right, and let's just finish our sort of Part B premium that we started. So 
for the majority of folks that make under, at least in general, individuals about 97000 and double that for joint. And what's the max sort of income limits and premiums? If, for, if someone's out there saying, I have all this income, passive income and retirement income and all that, what's the max premium you'd pay for Part B? So as an so the highest income, by the way, there are five other income brackets above that standard premium. And the highest income right now is $560 in 50 cents a month. That is for an individual who's, again, adjusted gross income. Let's use 2021 because we're going back two years. Yep. Is $500,000, excuse me, above 500000 And for a joint income, if they're above seven fifty, then they have the five sixty fifty. Just for the Part B. That's, that increase is called an income-related monthly adjustment. I nickname it Irma, and it's also called Irma. In lack of a better term, it's basically an upcharge because you made too much money. Right. You know. But And so even if you are paying nothing for, so you still pay even those people that may have adjusted incomes of 500 or 750, they're still, if they've worked, they're paying zero premium on the Part A. Yes, correct. Yep. So let's say, okay, someone's under the limits, they're paying, for, they've understand, okay, I'm not really covered under Part A, I need to buy Part B, I'm going to pay that well, 164.90 for 2023. Now they have A and B. So the big piece they're missing are drugs. So let's talk about the two different ways we can get there. What's the first way that someone could cover their drugs if they want? Because again, A is inpatient, B is basically doctors and outpatient, but we don't have drug yet. So again, road path number one, as I call it, where somebody would get a Medigap plan with a private insurance company, can be Harvard Pilgrim, United Healthcare, Fallon, Health New England. That is a plan that fills the holes in original Medicare. In other words, pays those deductibles and coinsurances that we went through. That's their card for the doctors and the hospitals. And then you couple that with a Part D prescription drug plan. Whenever I work with somebody, Pat, whether they're turning 65 or again retiring at 75, I try to get a timeline with somebody of when they want to move to Medicare. And I usually work with somebody about within 90 days. Uh, number one, that gives me ample time to work with somebody. You get everything assembled. So Medicare doesn't allow you to sign up for plans outside of 90 days. I try to stick with that window. And so whenever I identify that, most of my work's done by phone because I work in so many states. Somebody reaches out. I email them a form. It's called Preparing for a Medicare Consultation. <laughs> a contact info details page, name, address. Do you have a Medicare card? Most importantly, a list of your medications. Right. Milligrams per pill, frequency you take them. <laughs> as much detail as you can give me. And also your top two choices of pharmacy. That allows me to do my homework. Got it. Again, for somebody new to Medicare, but this is why it's so important now in the Medicare open enrollment period where I'm doing reviews for existing clients. So I go on the Medicare system, a lot of websites, but typically Medicare.gov. I enter somebody's zip code, their specific medications, very specific, as I mentioned, it it can be totally different with different milligrams or pills and releases. (laughs) And I, I get in the system and I put in their top two choices of pharmacy. And I'll get back to the top two because it makes a big difference sometimes. Oh, yeah. And I literally filter out what are the lowest costing Part D drug plans available to them. And that is based on their overall medication list and choices of pharmacy. There are 21 prescription drug plans in Mass this year. There are 24 next year. So when I do my homework, as I call it, I usually show the top three. And a lot of them, a lot of the major companies have multiple plans. WellCare has three plans. United Healthcare has three plans. Aetna, Silverscript, Blue Cross, Cigna. And so I represent about 18 of them. And not that I don't want to represent the other six, but they're not in brokered plans. I get them enrolled in a Part D drug plan. And why it's so important at this time of year 
to do a review. The open enrollment period, again, is really applicable towards somebody who's already enrolled in plants. Right. Where we can change your plan at this time of year. In other words, this year, a quick example, I enrolled somebody in March, I think it was, into a Part D drug plan where they took three medications. Fast forward to the fall. They were taking seven. The Part D drug plan that I got them enrolled in was not even in the top 10 of the lowest costing plans next year. And we can change their plan every year as long as we get it done by December 7th. And that new plan will become effective January 1st. And so someone could have Part A, Part B, and Part D and be covered. However, there are still holes, meaning there are... Not holes. There are out-of-pocket costs. Oh, I call them holes, too. Yeah. With deductibles and coinsurances in A and B, that's $1,600 deductible, the 20% coinsurance. With no limit. Correct. And the Part D plans, are they primarily copay plans? Yes. So yeah. 80% have deductibles involved, $505 deductibles, the highest next year. And then you typically pay a copay, coinsurance, and again, there's... Part D is very complicated, a little bit different than the employee benefit world is that, where typically in individual health insurance plans for employers, their tier one drugs might be $5, tier two might be 10, and then it caps off at like tier 350. That's not the same in Medicare, Part D. There's three different coverage levels. One is called the initial coverage level. One is called the coverage gap, nicknamed the donut hole years ago. And then there's catastrophic coverage. So I go in very clearly, very specifically to let them know the forecast of what it would look like for them next year. You have when- to plan out the entire year because if they hit these thresholds, they may not have coverage or may only have coverage for generics or some discounts. And costs can go up right. as well. So that's so path one. How many people do that, like part A, B, and D? Just those three? Yeah. Rarely. Right. Because it's this because they're exposing themselves to the deductibles and coinsurances in A and B, which can be right. the biggest costs. So, what is pathway two? I guess. What, so, what is another way to do this? So, again, road path number one, as I call it, you get a Medigap and a Part D drug plan. Which my clientele for the last thirteen years mostly primarily go in that direction. And the other road path is the lovely. Joe Namath ad, Jimmy Walker, William Shatner, and those ads drive me absolutely nuts, by the way. That's what's called the Part C Medicare Advantage Plan. And those, what those are, it's called the replacement plan. It takes the benefits from A and B, moves them into a Part C plan, and for the most part, it adds Part D. Some plans do not have Part D, but most of them do. And they're now with private insurance companies. And these are the managed plans, the HMOs, the PPOs. There's also called private fee for service. Is also called point of service plans. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody wants to look at it on a Medigap plan, if Medigap plans, any doctor or hospital in the country that accepts Medicare will accept any Medigap plan. On a Part C plan, I get a list of their doctors, anybody they want to continue to see, specialists. And you have to do your homework to find out what plans they participate in. Right. They don't always participate in Blue Cross, Tufts, Harvard Pilgrim. Sometimes it's plans. And those are the joy of Medicare Advantage plans. They have, some have very low premiums. In fact, some have $0 premiums. Where I kind of joke, where do I sign up? Yeah. But on the back end, those ads on TV don't really tell you have to pay for everything out of pocket. Right. Copay productive is a copay per x-ray, a copay per day in the hospital. And you pay those copays and coinsurances until you reach what's called the out-of-pocket spending limit on the plan. 
So, and again, on a Medigap, we didn't get into too much detail on the Medigap 1A, but somebody only pays the $226 deductible, and it's portable on a Medicare Advantage. It's, I wouldn't say it's more of a risk, but you pay as you go for every services. For example, in in sort of pathway one, like A, B, or A, B, and D, or a combined Medigap plan, for those plans, the most the, if the provider participates in Medicare, which I don't know what the stats are, but I'm guessing most, 99% of providers participate in Medicare, you can go there. So the network isn't the issue. The biggest issue probably, as you described, is the pharmacy and drugs. And there's two things, right? Number one is you talked about the specific drug, but what it, you mentioned the pharmacy. How is that important for the people? In other words... I think we have, I know the pharmacies are all merging and changing, but so if the drug's covered, but then you can't get the drug, like how does that work from a location perspective? Uh, good question. So when I got in the business back in 2010, I didn't even ask somebody what your pharmacy choice was. It didn't make a difference. It was the right. same cost everywhere. That has dramatically changed. The big pharmaceutical Part D companies are now negotiating with the pharmaceutical chains to get what's called preferred status. Okay. And that can make a tremendous difference. I'll show you a quick story, Pat. Yeah. In Cohasset, where I live, there's a Walgreens on one side of the street and a CVS on the other. And this lady I was talking to said, I love CVS, CVS. And I said, if Walgreens was an option, if it would save you money, would that be reasonable to go across the street? He said yes. And this one particular plan, the same drugs, same frequency, an $80 difference a month by going from one pharmacy to the other. And so that makes a huge difference for people. Oh, yeah. uh, and a lot of them have, they all have their internal mail order. Yep. Some people are mail order people. Some people are not. Mm -hmm. Like my mom went to a call Eden Apothecary in Wellesley and she liked to go there because she flirted with the pharmacist. So she would not go to CVS or Walgreens. Mm -hmm. And some people, it's... But also some people just don't like medications coming through the mail. Correct. Right? They don't like that. Or if yep. they, they spend time in Florida or they don't want it mail, they want to be able to get it wherever they need to get it. Correct. I get that. But no, that's interesting because normally... It was doctors, hospitals, and drugs. Was If I had a checklist, that's what I would ask, but now you have to ask pharmacy. On the, so how do, so forget the Medicare Advantage. Do we have Medicare Advantage in Mass? We must, right? There's 45 plans. Really? Yeah. A lot yeah. of new carriers have come in. Like Humana and some names that... Well, Care is now here. I don't know if people in the audience know, but Harvard, Pilgrim, and Tufts merged. Right. It's now called 32 Point Health. They have their own name plan still, Tufts and... Harvard, Harvard. Um, United Healthcare is in the, the David Ortiz ads. Um, I'm speaking on the name it's, of the company. It's an E. It's like Eternal I'm, Health. That's right. Yep. That actually went to one of their meetings. <laughs> so a lot of them are co coming into the market. Health New England has a Medicare Advantage plan. Fallon has a Medicare Advantage plan. So a lot of these big carriers have, some of them have all three, Medigap, Part D, and Part C. Some have just Part D, and some have just Part C in Mass. And so that's the joy of, I think, in Medicare coach, as I call myself, I'm appointed with so many companies and there's no sales to my process, I call it. I simply outlay to them what's available. They might ask my personal take and opinion right. on certain carriers, but, and that's, again, you can change your plan every year and that's kind of why I'm so busy at this time of year. And we're talking with Ted O'Connor, who's a Medicare coach, coach. Medicare expert. I like that coach. I don't, I don't um, like the word expert, but I'll take coach. Coach is good because Medicare is a very specific and as we're seeing a very different purchase. <laughs> so 
couple of things to relate it back to my world, and then we'll go a little bit deeper. So I always get the question, because again, I work with employer groups, right? And we have a ton, and probably we're going to continue to have more and more people working past 65. And they, around this time of year, go to a cocktail party, a holiday party, and said, oh, you better sign up for Medicare within six months of your birthday, or you're going to have to pay a penalty for the rest of your life. But they're actively working, and they have no plans to retire. So how does that sort of work when you hit 65 and you're still working, or you're covered under your spouse plan who's still working? I'll give you a two-part answer there. So when somebody is turning 65, you are entering what's called your initial enrollment period in Medicare. It's a seven-month window Seven. surrounding your 65th birthday. Oh, because it goes after, too, right? It goes before yeah. and after. Yeah. So if, let's use July, for yeah. instance. Somebody turns mm-hmm. 65 this July. They can automatically sign up for Part A and Part B, and they can do it online, www.ssa.gov, three months prior. So what's that? March, April, May. Oh, no, they got the months there. May, June, July, uh, you follow me. Yeah. Uh, where if you sign up those three months prior, your effective dates would be July 1st. And then you can also sign up the month of your 65th birthday and three months after. There's a little bit of a wrinkle on the timing of the month of and the three months after, but for the most part, people sign up those three months before. Now, that is somebody that does not have employer coverage. In the eyes of Medicare, if you're an active employee on a group health plan or the spouse of an active employee on a group health plan, that is credible coverage in the eyes of Medicare. So I hear this all. What's the expression if I had a dollar for every time people ask me a question to be a millionaire? Yeah. I have to sign up for Medicare at 65 and be penalized. Right. No, that's not the case if you do have employer covered. By the way, in the individual market, I work with a lot of referral partners for individual plans. That, if you're not tied to an employer and somebody's 65 and you have an individual market Obamacare plan, that's not credible coverage in the eyes of Medicare. Right. You have to switch. If you're covered by, like, for example, in Mass, the Health Connector. Yes. A plan on the Health Connector, and you don't have access to any other, as Ted pointed out, you don't have access to a spouse or any other employer coverage, you're not eligible for something, <laughs> then you need to do that or the penalty. Yeah, and some people start. don't know that, and they yeah. stay on it. And then there can be, there's penalties in Part D, there's penalties in Part B. If you have a Medicare coach or consultants, rarely do I see my clients facing the penalties because they get the proper education, but... Right, and also the funny thing is employers are starting, not funny, but I guess the the newer thing is employers are starting to do that, to educate people, mm-hmm. say, hey, you're going to get a ton of mail. You're going to get a lot of mail around your birthday. Kurt talked about it too. They're starting to mail things. And this threat of this 10% penalty for life yeah. really gets to people. But we tell them if they're covered. And there is a little bit of an exemption. If you're at work for a small employer, you actually have to get off if you're under 20. If it's under 20 employees. Yeah, 20 employees. But most people work for larger. And then we have other people that work for, they, we were do a lot of work with cities and towns. And there are a bunch of people that were hired 40 years ago that never paid into Medicare either. So they're not eligible for Medicare unless they buy in. So That's a $505 premium, by the way, for Part A. Yeah, so those people stay because they're not eligible and they don't want to pay the premium for Part Mm -hmm. A. They stay on the active plan until they die or the spouse dies or they're Mm -hmm. eligible for something else. So it's very important. So two things as you approach your, and this is why I always say you got to do your kind of planning. You say 90 days, I say 10 years ahead. Like, Mm -hmm. 65, if you're planning on retiring, meaning not working, not being covered, and you're, let's assume we're in the 2022s now, right? 
most employers other than the governmental don't offer retiree medical. You said that in your start. Like, yeah, you know, and so, as you just mentioned, some do, or the towns, municipalities, but for the most part, very people few. do not have or retiree if, medical. Or if they do, they're offering it the way you described. They're offering a stipend and go out and buy your own. Correct. Some, they don't want some, the, some provide an HRA and you right. can do that. They don't want the liability on their books. So mm-hmm. let's say you're 55 and you say, hey, I'm going to retire at 65. Okay, great. And they will they can go online and get their Social Security benefit. They'll get an estimate right away. If they have a pension or 401k, they can do some calculators. But the one thing they always forget is, oh, yeah, by the way, I'll get my Part A. They'll call it free, even though it's not free. They'll figure out what they pay for Part B. But they have to do the math and say, okay, what else am I going to pay for? So in your world, and we live in mass, so it's probably a little different, but Part if someone just wanted to buy a Part D plan, what are like the ranges of a cost just for the D? The lowest premium this or next year, should I say, is $6.80, and the highest goes up to about 120 So this is where you get what you pay for, is my guess. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? A $6 People, plan is probably a little higher on the costs. No, you know what? Uh, not to say no. People, <laughs> a lot of times people say to me, I have plenty of money. I want the highest premium plan. That's not the case in Medicare. It's what your overall medication list is, what private insurance company or what plan with a private insurance company covers your drugs the best. So as I do my illustrations for people all the time, the $6 plans, the $8.60 plans, the $30 plans, they come up as number one most of the Mm. time. 80, I would say 85% of the plans have $505 deductibles. The ones that don't, it's probably three or four. 80 to $120 a month. So you have you know? to do the, again, you have to do the math yeah. as to what your drug costs. Yep. We do have, we've got probably five minutes left, Ted, but I want, just like I did with Kurt, if you can give out your contact info now so people have it so we don't get cut off at the end, that would be great. Sure, it's Teddy Care, and my phone number is 781-879-8434. And my email is Ted, T-E-D, at... Tedicare, T-E-D-I-C-A-R-E, Medicare.com. Can you believe somebody already had the domain for Tedicare? That's why I did do Tedicare, Medicare. And as I was joking with Pat earlier, when I started my own practice, I probably had 62 things to do. Website is not up yet, but as soon as December 7th comes up, that's my next thing. That's your next thing? My next thing. Yeah, so just remember, you have to spell it all out. It's Tedicare, Medicare.com. Ted at com. And Ted. And so for people who are currently have a Medicare plan, they have until December 7th to make a change that would be effective 1-1. Correct. And I'm still, uh, I'm a little busy in the next couple of days, but if somebody hears this, reach out. I can certainly step up and we can get this done pretty quickly by, as long as we do it by 11.59 next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. And get everything submitted. They'll have a new plan for January 1st. And again, if nothing else, a review of your prescription drugs, pharmacy, providers. And there's been a lot of, there's a lot of changes as we talked about with Kurt. Medicare, again, the changes were probably all good this year from a cost perspective. Deductible went down, premium went down. But as you mentioned, in our market, especially if you, because I'm sure we have a lot of people that um, are up here five months and are in Florida seven months. I probably have probably 100, 150 clients that winter down in Florida live up here in New England. Right. So for those people, Medicare Advantage, probably not the best. I'm not going <laughs> to say that, but I would say any client of mine that has two, two different homes in two different states, they primarily have a Medigap and a Part D drug plan because 
that Harvard plan that somebody has in Marshfield, Massachusetts works right. them just as well in Boca Raton, Bangor, Maine, California. It's always about, so it's network, it's providers, especially doctors, because again, it, people in the people are living longer, but they're they primarily go to the doctors and go to the the pharmacy. That's their big thing. What else, Ted? Do people? Okay, your busy time is the fifty. What about someone who is turning sixty-five in twenty twenty-three and is either going to retire or just doesn't have other coverage. They're on a connector or exchange plan now. When should they reach out to you? What's that timing like? You can reach out at any time. I try to get a little bit of a timeline. I'll talk to anybody at any time during the year, but again, I try to keep it just keeping a window of about 90 days. We'll set up a time. And again, part of that reason is we can get everything certainly accomplished in that window and Medicare does not allow you to sign up for plans outside of 90 days. But we reach out anytime. I work with a lot of financial advisors, employee benefit groups, and advisors like yourself, Pat, and work with any profession. And uh, I love what I do, and I'm entering my 13th year. Right. And this is one thing that I have found doing this as long as I have on the employer side is we use guys like you, Ted, as I said, because we don't have people that are experts in even our retirement people they can help someone like mike and his team do but that missing component is okay well, i know what your house costs are your your <laughs> your spending and if you're paying for grandkids and stuff like that but the biggest unknown is what are you going to do about health care what are the premiums how much you're going to have to pay out of pocket i think and people are living longer if you're retired at 65 you may have another 20 years or more of premiums to pay and cost to bear but ted thank you been a great great discussion here both on on medicare and earlier with kurt on social security again spell it all out ted at tedicaremedicare.com or just type in ted o'connor medicare i'm sure it will pop up and good luck to the hull pirates who are kicking off and in a few short seconds and again put down the the volume on the tv and listen to 95.9 for their good luck pirates and good luck coach o'donnell and we'll see you next week thank you